How's it going? And welcome to episode 136 of On The Wire, proud member of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. Follow the pod on the Twitter at On The Wire Pod. I am Adam Howe. You can follow me at 80 grade. That's all spelled out. And Kevin Hastings is at Hastings Kevin on the Twitter. And after a, I don't know, brief, if that's the right word, brief hiatus due to some podcast network transitioning, we are finally back, Kevin, and just in time before Kevin leaves again <laughs> as he heads to Arizona to begin the, the time of year that I like to live vicariously through him and several hundred other people in the industry at first pitch. We'll get into a whole all that later. Kevin, glad to be back in front of the mic with you again. How you doing? Amazing. Yeah, ready to go. I fly out. We're recording on, this is Monday, right? And I think, yeah, game three of the World Series is in about the fifth inning. And I'm flying out Tuesday evening on a red eye to arrive in Arizona Wednesday morning, which will be the day of game five of the World Series. That evening, just zipped up the golf travel bag around my clubs, got them ready to go play, playing <laughs> golf with Casey Bubba and Ryan Bloomfield in their little golf open. Now, the, the Bubba and the Bloom Open, I believe they're calling it now. This yeah, they year. had like the it grew last year. It. How many guys are in it this year? There was eight of us last year. It doubled. There's 16 this year. We got four yeah. foursomes. So, That's... yeah, ready to go. <laughs> I bet um, the first thing I saw, obviously, when Arizona punched their ticket to the World Series is like, I want to know how many first pitch Arizona attendees are either changing their flights to get in there a little bit early because the schedule Seems just worked out that. perfectly. And how many are actually going to go and get tickets, whether they're, you know, finding them available online or do what I did in my youth and sit outside for, mm -hmm. for in 2004, I sat outside Fenway park for 36 hours for game two, game four of the ALCS and game two of the world series. Totally worth it. I was also in like my early twenties and it was a completely ability. Uh, well, I've had great experience waiting to the last minute for sporting events. Obviously if once it looks like people were, they were asking too much money and waited too long to drop prices and they got to dump them. I've had good experience with that. Not sure I'm even going to try. I, I think I'm just going to go hang out by the stadium, absorb the atmosphere on Wednesday afternoon, and then at mm -hmm. game time, settle in a sports bar near the stadium. I think that's the plan. Shout out to my, my league mate in Glarf, Jenny Butler, friend of the show as well. I know She's got tickets, and so she will be at the game. Hopefully, she enjoys it. I can't imagine why she wouldn't, <laughs> but I do know that tickets in general have been a little on the pricey side, yeah. so I, I can it's only funny. imagine how much she ended up having to pay for them, but good for you. During the NLCS clinching game, I believe the score was still 2-1 to one at the time, Diamondbacks leading. There were still face value tickets available through the team. But face value even was $300 for the least expensive tickets. And I'm like, eh, I can have a pretty good time at a sports bar right across for the street. For $300. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. We got a lot more Arizona coverage to, to get through. And joining us today to help us do that is our very own Asher Dretel, a regular contributor over at PitcherList.com in the We Love Baseball side of writing writing from anything between the daily MLB morning news article and analyzing free agent possibilities in the off season. Asher does it all alongside that alongside with Kevin. He's 
going to continue to make me jealous because I'm not going to Arizona, but Asher is going to fish first, first pitch Arizona this coming weekend. We'll spend some time talking about all that so I can live vicariously through him as well. Before we get into all that, Asher, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, it's, great, it's great to be here. I, hearing about Fenway Park is not helping my like Diamondbacks <laughs> World Series PTSD as a Yankees fan. And I, I, I was watching the game earlier and there was a, a fought through a sinker and it broke the bat of the batter and the ball came right back to him and he spun around to throw it to second and I immediately was just like, oh no, just- <laughs> oh no, it's happening again. Uh, but he actually turned the double play. So I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's always really amusing to see the analogous like plays or the shadows of former either plays in the World Series or just players reacting similarly to generational players as well when they hit a home run or what have you and she's like wait is it, did that just happen did that, did that happen again or is that the same thing am i having weird deja vu so yeah it's fun to see that in a different light yeah it's always incredible when you get those baseball echoes directly yeah, exactly. like that <laughs> we got a lot to talk about like we've been alluding to or we've been talking about that obviously we are in the middle of the playoffs we are recording this as kevin said on monday probably gonna put this out a little earlier than sun not gonna hold on to this episode until sunday probably put this out on wednesday before first pitch arizona begins but by the time hopefully we're dead center in the middle of the world series and it's not a not a clinching game on game five we'll see but this is a as, as you mentioned in the middle of the game it's three nothing rangers at the moment we'll keep you updated because you'll have i'm sure you haven't watched the game by now by the time you're listening to this <laughs> but let's get into the one piece of news that i want to hit on that we that may or may not make an impact in as you're drafting early drafts, as you're just following the offseason news cycle. The San Francisco Giants, they have a new skipper in Bob Melvin coming over from the Padres. He's obviously got ties to the Bay Area previously in Oakland. Kevin, we talked about managers not really making that big of an impact nowadays as they once did, but... This maybe this time is different. I don't know. I want to get your take on this, but it does feel like there could be a difference here if for no other reason Melvin has that connectivity to the Bay Area, seems to be possibly a players manager type of guy. And on the other side of this, he's replacing a situation in San Francisco where Gabe Kapler, the former manager, obviously went very heavy um, on the platoon splits. Do you see any kind of do you have any kind of expectation Melvin will do things differently enough where it will actually boost any particular player's value from a playing time standpoint, if nothing else. My first inclu- my first inclination is no. I, I still think most of these types of decisions are, are coming from the front office these days. However, the, like you said, this, this is a little different situation. Like we we know Gabe Kapler bought into this more than any other manager that we really know about. And Maybe he went a little overboard as far as the front office is concerned. Maybe he got a little too cute, so to speak. And so possibly, and I wish we knew, right? Because not only could that help some players with more at-bats, but is Bob Melvin going to lean on a guy like Wilmer Flores, who isn't a big superstar, but can be very beneficial in almost any league at certain times throughout the season uh it's going to be something that we're really going to want to try to figure out um, especially drafting early 
during spring training, how much of an idea will we get? Not much until probably the last week or two of spring training. So for those drafting on the typical big drafting weekends, the final weekend before the season and the weekend prior to that, maybe we'll have a better idea. But this is going to be a guessing game. Like I said, my inclination is it doesn't affect things much, but it might a, a little more than some of us think. Ash, do you have an opinion on how the managerial landscape ends up impacting the game as we see it today? I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit. These guys are mostly implementing a front office vision. I think some people take that a little more literally than it necessarily works out to, but in in Melvin's case, the Giants just extended Farhan Zaidi, so mm-hmm. I don't think this is a sign that they're going to wildly be changing up the organizational ethos or anything like that. Yeah, that's fair enough. I feel like there needed to be some kind of news item to put in this one, even though <laughs> it was something we already touched on last week. And the only other thing that came really came across the news desk was Craig Breslow being going to Boston, and that probably plays even less of a role <laughs> in the way <laughs> what we're going to see on the field, especially with that organization. So I, I got ahead to put something in here, guys. So let's fill the time a little bit with kind of almost like an extension, Kevin, of what we talked about on the last episode. We kind of previewed the possible playoff tax. Now that we're getting toward the end of the World Series, I think we can get a better sense of what players have made more or less of an impact on their draft capital going into these early drafts now that they've actually got some stats to go along with them on the playoffs. A couple of hitters that have made some noise in both directions. First and foremost, Adolis Garcia, obviously with the walk-off home run in Game 1 of the World Series, along with everything else. He leads the playoffs with eight home runs going into Game 3 of the World Series. How he's he's not a guy that we normally get to talk about. This is what we do in the offseason, right, Kevin? We get that gives us the opportunity to talk about the guys we won't ever talk about again during the regular seasons. Can or has, and I should probably look this up earlier, but has Garcia done enough in these playoffs to, to catapult him even further than you thought he might be going in drafts and how high can he really push it with this kind of performance? I think for the most part, it just... Probably it's going to make his price go up a little bit. It, it, it can't not, I don't think. But I think in general, it's going to be people that were already supporters of him and a player like him. I think most players, most fantasy players that are out on him or have their reasons, which are legitimate reasons, right? There are a lot of legitimate concerns for a player like him. I think they're going to stick to their guns in that, there this is going to come to an end at some point and the obvious i think there's a lot of differences between the players as well but the obvious comp in in plate discipline and such is javier Baez. he was great until he wasn't and the ones that didn't draft him for those years that he was great finally were able to say see told you and i think that's (laughs) going to be the camp right and i think those that support him are going to they they know that's a possibility. I'm one of them. I know it's a possibility. I'm going to ride him till it happens. I don't think it's going to change things too much, but it can't not 
increase his price a little bit going into 2024 i don't think yeah that's probably that's that's probably fair he is definitely a polarizing figure or it has been and i'm wondering if something like this will actually is it's just like the guy who's outpacing all of the underlying metrics that you're like right all right sooner or later sometimes results matter sure right Uh, sometimes Sometimes results matter more than what we're looking at because we're not we don't know everything so all the underlying Honestly, numbers, results we are way more <laughs> predicting things than we used to be. We're better at predicting things than we used to be. And we know that some things are better predictors than results, but results matter. And sometimes it doesn't matter how they're getting there. But like I said before, at some point it probably does catch up with them. And when it does, even if it takes seven or eight years, the players that were off of him the entire time are going to say, see, told you. Five drafts completed so far on the NFBC platform, and Garcia has gone as high as 36 and as low as 59. Yeah. Like Asher, where would you land on that spectrum with Garcia? Are you a Garcia believer? Is this pushing him up, or is this just like a... Sh- obviously, if with all of these, is this too short of sample? I don't care how much how bright the spotlight is. It doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, the, the playoffs aren't going to move the needle for me too much. I would say the... The comp that springs to mind for him, for me, is Teoscar Hernandez, who had a similar, both outfielders, similar, like, really high K rate, hit the ball super hard, at least added four points to his walk rate this year. And that's that's significant. That's the difference between his 2021 being a below average season and this one being above average, really. So if that sticks, I could see him probably outperforming that max pick even, but I'm certainly not going to bet on that. One fun fact, what... Without looking it up, what do you think his WRC plus was this year? Oh, that's a good one. It's all about, ultimately, it's comes down to performance, and he's, he's still performing. So I'm going to go with, we'll give him like a buck 10. That's exactly what I just said. It was 124. Which okay. I nice. actually was lower than I thought it would be because the <laughs> dude just 39 home runs. I expected it to be better. But yeah, his I think there's a always going to be a huge average risk there. And if he can't walk to make up for it, Third round, absolutely not. Yeah. All right. Let's go with teammate then, Asher, who's doing the opposite of really what Garcia has been doing these playoffs as far as making a name for himself. He's just extending what he did throughout the season too, and that's Nate Lowe, who, again, didn't really do him do himself any favors this season, and he's not doing himself any favors in the in these playoffs, going 196, 250, 375 through 14 games of the playoffs, 21 strikeouts in that time as well. Can't like is this a is this a guy that you'd be targeting late, late, late anyway? This is good as far as like how you'd be targeting because then his, his draft capital goes down and hoping he can be a bounce back. Or did you see anything or, or you just fail to see anything that shows that he's gonna come back from this? I mean, I'm, he's one of those dudes who's probably going to continue to be good in real life and there's going to be value in volume, but for a fantasy first baseman to have a pretty serious power outage all season mm-hmm. and certainly not be making up for it in the playoffs, uh, that scares me a lot in the draft. Yeah. It seems as though Kevin, like if you see somebody like this who didn't do anything for himself in the regular season, but then if he were to do things like Garcia did in a short sample size they can flip the script he's just doing more of the same like kind of same like same mentality toward same question towards you is do you see him flipping this around or is this just he's off your radar 
it, it's tough. I, I think because it, it's not just the postseason. It, it's the last four months of the regular season as well. He got off to such a great start. He had 20 runs scored and 19 RBIs by the mm-hmm. end of April and, and then hit 297 in May. But then it, it, it got really bad towards the end of the year. Wasn't at too bad through the middle, but the power did go away for the most part. Only 17 home runs on the season. And after that hot start, I, I would have expected well over 20, maybe approaching 30. I had him on a couple of teams and it was almost, he was one of those guys, not almost. He was one of those guys we talk about once in a while that I was just setting and forgetting for too long and, and didn't realize how bad it was getting because I wasn't paying close enough attention mm-hmm. to what he was doing at the time. I almost wonder if maybe he was battling through an injury and that's my hope. Because if that's not it, then I don't know what to think of him going into 2024. Hopefully some news comes out and we'll find something out once the World Series is over. But it's very concerning because it's not just the postseason. It's been since the end of May, really. I'm I'm fully ready to overreact to spring training. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's, that's, it's one of those things where you're talking about if a guy comes back late in the season for the playoffs, that matters. And the... Yeah, if he hits a bunch of home runs in spring training, it's going to probably be off a bunch of dudes who are non-roster invitees, but it at least shows he's got like the physical capability to do it still in him. Yeah, it, it begs the question as well. Like We talk about this playoff tax and the short sample size. We're talking about 14, 15 games for, for the teams that made it all the way and versus the sample size that you're going to get out of spring training against the pitching that you talked about, Asher, and the impact that makes on end of March drafts versus those who are silly enough like us to do October and November drafts compared to the playoffs. All right. We got a couple of pitchers I want to hit on before we get to those guys. We do have to take a quick break. All right. We are back. All right, Kevin, a couple guys that I wanted to throw at you and I got, I'll give the other pair uh, to you, Asher, Kevin, two guys who have done well for themselves these playoffs one of them out one of them could still pitch again probably will pitch again in the world series we got merrill kelly versus aaron nola of these guys who do you think has done more or needed to do more to raise their stock going into these drafts they both have a three and one record they both started four games in the playoffs so far like i said kelly will probably get another start or another appearance at the very least before it's all said and done nola obviously out Kelly, 24 innings pitched so far. They both got six innings. Uh, Noel, 23 innings pitched. So pretty comparable in that run as well. Kelly with four home runs, eight walks, 28 strikeouts. Nola with only two home runs. It's a little impressive for him. Four walks and 23 strikeouts. Very comparable lines overall for these guys. Which one do you think had the ability to move themselves up the ladder? It's Merrill Kelly because Nola can't move up too much. He's towards the top, right? And there's with Nola, he was probably going to be drafted around the same spot as last season. There's the every other year narrative, Mm -hmm. all kinds of things with Nola. His underlying metrics were the same. They've always been. I think we're still drafting Nola the same as we did last season. Merrill Kelly, it may not be the four games. It's the most recent game. What he did in game two was absolutely amazing. That's going to bump him up so far in the four drafts that are listed on NFBC ADP 
for 2024. His min is 139, his max 194. I think that min probably becomes his average by March, if not even earlier than that. So I think it's Merrill Kelly by a lot here because just because Nola doesn't have a whole lot of room to go up. Yeah, it's probably fair. Kelly's just like that guy that you didn't really you weren't targeting in any drafts for the last two or three years. You weren't unhappy really to get yeah, him. You're okay. You're like, fine. That but- boring guy, but he might be okay. And maybe he's a little better than boring and just okay. And, and he's, he already did enough during the regular season to really push him, his value up. But now the, being in the spotlight really has gotten, gotten the, given us as drafters, the ability to justify pushing him up another round or two and being like, I, that, make him a target rather than, all right, fine. I need a pitcher. Kelly's still there. I'm going to grab him. I missed um, out on these guys. I'll take Kelly. Exactly. <laughs> and he might still be earlier than you would have taken him last year. But with this spotlight, right. it's like now for some, he's going to become a target and you're going to quote miss mm-hmm. out in a lot of drafts because somebody in the room has that bias, that recency bias that they saw, especially like you said, in the spotlight of the world series and what he did. All right, on the other side, Asher, we got a couple pitchers who, again, did the opposite. Zach Gallen, as good as he is, and in the Cy Young conversation, at least in the National League, final line so far, well, not final line, his so far line of the playoffs, not not so great. 27 and a third inning. I was about to say 27.1. What a weird thing to say. 27 and a third innings pitched so far in that time, 16 earned runs, six home runs, 13 walks, 18 strikeouts. Not what you're looking for, especially with the decent size sample size here. Has he done worse off than Framber Valdez, who obviously is out of the playoffs, much smaller sample size in general, 12 innings pitch, but 12 earned runs in that time, four home runs, six walks, 17 strikeouts. Which playoff performance has hurt their value more? And these are both, quote, aces. These are both guys that are going to be drafted quite high. But does it does either one of these make them a non-target and kind of put them in the conversation of, all right, fine, I was going to pick a pitcher here. Now I guess I'm stuck with one of these guys. To that immediate question, no. I don't think it should make either of those guys non-targets. I think Gallon is probably paying the other playoff tax. He threw 210 innings. This is a, a career high for him. It's late. And we saw volatility from him this season, maybe more so than we were used to, but that's still 210 innings of sub 3.5 ERA ball. So I highly doubt he's moving very much down the board at all. Framber... I could see sliding just because of the season, but there's some not easy necessarily, but some pretty clear changes he could make to get back to being a top arm. There's an article on a baseball prospectus by Mario Delgado Genzor about how his velo on his sinker is up and the movements down. And this was from August and we saw he Framber struggled down the strap beginning of the year. It was incredible. It was like the old six inning, get you a win every time Framber with double digit strikeouts. So if, if people are out on him, I'm gladly going to buy low come draft season. I was pretty in on him in general this year. I'm probably still in on him overall. I love when we have somebody on the show, Kevin, that says come draft season. And we're like, Oh, I see. <laughs> exactly. I am in, Although, I'm in two auto no leagues this year. So I guess I do have to get used to always the, in draft season. in yeah. those. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's a 365 Adam, shocked i have only done one draft and that was our first 15 team on the wire listener league draft that's all i've done so far i'm holding out i have one saturday it's we haven't recorded so long that like i didn't even bring it up like it's like that yeah. ended pretty pretty quickly we flew through that we, we there were some m- moments of slowness as there tends to be especially in a four hour clock draft um mm-hmm. but it, it it chugged along and it was over and then all of a sudden we weren't recording so i'm like oh it's almost been too long to talk about it we'll bring it up at another time kevin are you doing a draft in arizona though i am doing one of the they do two of the DCs, the draft champions, draft and holds. We only draft the first 23 rounds. They're in person. We'll finish it only. up in January. Yeah. Well, it's we'll like the January, <laughs> but that's uh, the starters. Yeah, I, Just did the that, starters. I did that last season and it was a lot of fun. The previous two times I had attended first pitch, I did the 12 team auction, which is a lot of fun, but there could be a World Series game yeah, Saturday that's evening, that's gonna take and the time. auction goes longer. So <laughs> I went with the draft champions. Yeah, that's probably fair for the situation at hand. All right, guys. All right, two more. Look, we talked about some hitters. I talked about some starters. Let's get into the bullpen here. Azure, you have done some articles in the offseason regarding free agents and where they could go. And on that, I would expect to read something from you this offseason as well. So let's talk about a free agent to be Craig Kimbrell. He has gotten three out of the four. He got three out of the four Philly save oper- saves th- with Matt Strom getting the la- the other one. But with that bullpen and with the options that they had, especially when the players that we talked about pretty much all season going into the season, it was almost surprising to see Kimbrell get every single, like pretty much every single one of those opportunities and then not have them mix and match in those opportunities. So do you think their usage of him in those spots, converting those saves as well, is given him more of a guarantee to land a new closer gig in 2024? I'll say my hit rate on my free agent picks was I was correct on two of them. And one of those was Aaron judge. So you only made three predictions, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, We're good. (laughs) I'm aiming to up that the coming winter for Kimbrell. I, I, I'd say Kimbrell next year is what Araldus Chapman was this year, where he's a name value. Obviously Kimbrell had a better end to the season than Chapman did, but there they ended the year with their fan bases going, why is this guy still closing games when we have these other people who could be doing it? I would imagine a team is going to sign him to a couple year deal, maybe with the similar sort of intention of him pitching well, getting saves and then getting flipped at the deadline. If I'm probably can get a Cole Reagans for Craig Kimbrell. <laughs> him right you now, do it every right? time. <laughs> yeah. That's what everybody's going to be. Yeah. Everybody's going to sign Kimbrell and then try to trade him to the, Royals. But I'm pretty out on Kimbrell. Even if he does sign somewhere in their immediate, yeah, he's our closer for sure. I just, the skills have been deteriorating for more than this season. See, I'm of the opinion that like Craig Krimble kind of fits exactly what Baltimore might be looking for this offseason with Batista being out all season with Tommy John and getting that Band-Aid, even signing him to like a one-year plus player option or plus team or some kind of option for the second year. 
in then the possibility of trading him next year on that two-year deal as Batista works his way back in 2025. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a firm believer in these playoff situations for closers dictating how they're going to be used next year as well. If and that goes for our next guy we're going to about to talk about who's going to be on the same team. So the thing with Krimbrel is getting up there in age, getting up there in production, but the fact is that this is the the biggest at the biggest stage at the biggest time your team decides that you're the guy regardless and for the most part he he performed and he still put up number or he still saved out games and uh, closed them out and gave the the Phillies an opportunity to win obviously it didn't work out but it, it shows that this is this has been Kimbrel's mo his almost his entire career like he's just that guy that's I do great at the in the ninth. And I fail every, at any other time in the game. And so the bigger the stage, the bigger the spotlight, the more more comes out from him, I think. And then obviously that's going to deteriorate over time regardless. But let's talk about the other guy that I alluded to. We talked about him on the last episode, Kevin, Jose Leclerc. His usage in Texas so far is dictating exactly what I said the last episode where I was going to be watching this to see how they would use them. They're, they've used them in all four of their save opportunities. Again, going into game three of the World Series, they are closing in on a save opportunity right now in the top of the seventh. They're up three nothing. So we'll see if he can add to that. But do you feel that this is pretty much indicative to how the Rangers are going to start off 2024 based on the fact that they trust him enough to roll with it in the playoffs this year? Yeah, I think this is going to be one of those situations where it just it, it's horrible when you're a year too early. I had Jose Leclerc on so many teams and in 46 less appearances, he has one less save in the postseason than he had in the regular season. The crazy thing is he was a much better pitcher in the regular season. Now, 12 innings is a very small sample size, even for a reliever, but it is 11 appearances he's had so far in the postseason. And he's got a 5-9-3 FIP. However, if the Rangers win the World Series and he closes out their wins, How's he not their closer going into 2024? And we know with relievers, especially when it's saves we're looking for, it's all about usage and opportunity. The numbers don't really matter. All we want is the opportunity for the saves and then the, for the pitcher to perform well enough to keep that job, stay in that role. If the Rangers win the World Series and he performs well over his next say two or three performances that he gets an opportunity for in the world series. He probably is the guy going into 2024. Hopefully if that is the case, then he performs as he did in the regular season because he was a much better pitcher, mm-hmm. gave up less home runs, his ERA nearly a full run lower FIP over two runs lower, but it, it's really going to depend on what goes on over these next couple of games. I think of course, with that 5.93 FIP, 3.65 ERA so far, in spite of having three saves, if he blows another one or two World Series games, he might not even be on the team next season. <laughs> That's, I was going to say, he, he he has to lose them the World Series to lose that closer job. They've wanted him to be the closer for so long now. Mm-hmm. And I like I have a hard time trusting him. I have a hard time. Jonathan Hernandez is in that bullpen. And he like Hernandez was not good this year. 
and he's got his own injury concerns. But I have a really hard time buying into Leclerc when Hernandez is breathing down his neck. Yeah, that's been the name that comes up the most often. It's been at least two years, or has it been three now since we they both got hurt like the same week, right before the beginning of the season, and we thought the Rangers had a really good bullpen, and then they both got hurt. Then they had no bullpen. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I remember those episodes, Kevin. We're like, all right, let's go after (laughs) Hernandez. Oh, by the way, scratch all that. All right, guys, there's been a lot of other players doing some fun stuff. Asher, anybody else that caught your eye in a positive or negative way throughout the course of the playoffs? Ketel Marte. I have always loved Ketel Marte, and he has been great this year, except for August, and he's been incredible in the playoffs. So I like to the moon for him. I, I He's going to shoot up rankings it's he finally he had incredible bounce back the stolen bases i don't think are ever really going to come back to where people quote unquote want them to be but he's going to produce in every other category and yeah i I see no reason to to doubt his credentials going into next year yeah i I was surprised another guy i think you guys are going to bring up evan carter has a very wide range in drafts so far can Marte, not so much. I, I thought it would be a little bit wider, but I think it's that second base eligible. Obviously, it's the only position he's eligible at, but it ranges from in the five drafts that have concluded so far that have public ADP, 110 to 156, only about a 40-point range, a 46-pick range at that point in the draft. But Evan Carter, that is a whole different monster when it comes to when he's going to get picked ranging between 108 and 229 in these five early drafts Kevin there's a ton of youth we talked about a lot of it last episode but force your hand you have to pick you you can't go anywhere in the middle do you pick Evan Carter at 108 or 220 or do you Cross your fingers and hope he's available at 229. Oh, he's not going to be there at 229. (laughs) And I think I'm okay with taking him at 108. What's intriguing about Evan Carter is if not for the postseason, he probably would have been on the opening day roster, but not necessarily. He wasn't called up until September, right? They still could have played the manipulation game unless they want him on the opening day roster playing for... Uh, the MVP to to get extra draft compensation. That was a possibility. Now it's not, right? And I think the kicker is so far at the major league level, we haven't really seen him take off on the bases. Yes, he has three stolen bases in the postseason. He only had three in in almost twice as many games in, in the month of September. He had 25 on the year, actually 26 if you count the complex league couple of games he played in the minors. So over 30 stolen bases. And I think we're to the point where when we're even if we're constructing a team to where, oh, we just want to get a few stolen bases from everybody. It's not five to ten anymore. It's 10 to 20 and you need a couple of guys with 30 plus. Right. So I I think the stolen base aspect and and the potential for the stolen bases there, although we haven't seen it a whole lot, he's still including the postseason played less than 40 games at at the major league level. Uh, I think that the, the potential for him adding 
more stolen bases throughout a full season is going to make him extremely popular and he's going to just going to continue to rise throughout draft season. Yeah, we hear it. We, we, we speculated on it a lot last offseason, and I think it's pretty clear right now that stolen bases are just as valuable in most drafts as they were prior, as you know, the rich get even richer in the, in this new environment. It's not as just because there are more stolen bases out there, it doesn't mean everybody's taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, the you can find a guy who could potentially hit 30. One or two still yeah. aren't getting any. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, Asher, anybody else that kind of, any, first of all, any thoughts on Carter here and then anybody else stand out? Yeah, I don't think I have much to add on Carter. He's just, he's going to get healing no matter how he performed. The top prospect, everybody was very excited when he got called up, but he's certainly been doing all the right things since that happened. As far as other guys, I think this is a lot of recency bias as we're watching the game where he came into pitch, but John Gray t- is able to pitch. He walked off the mound with a trainer at the end of the season there. There was a lot of what's going to happen with him. Probably helps him more if he's making starts uh, rather than working out of the bullpen. But you have to feel more comfortable about him being ready to go in spring training now than you did a week, two weeks ago. Yeah, three and three innings, three strikeouts coming in really for Scherzer. Yeah, you don't get more recency bias than literally the game we all have on right now in the background. All right, guys, we have... The playoffs are still going. By the time you're listening to this, hopefully they are still going. And I'll always root for a seven-game World Series, almost regardless of who's involved. We all have our biases when it comes to our own personal teams as well. But if they're not involved, always seven games, always. So let's get into where you guys are going to be watching those games from. And that is in Arizona. You guys head to First Pitch Arizona, obviously put on by Baseball HQ every year during the Arizona Fall League at various, of course, Arizona Fall League happens um, at various stadiums throughout the central Arizona region, but you guys will be in Mesa, Arizona for the majority. So we're going to talk a lot about that and the players you guys are looking forward to seeing and the events you guys are looking forward to this weekend right after this quick break. All right, listening to On The Wire, glad to be back with you once again after a short hiatus. We are here, of course, I am Adam Howe, Kevin Hastings, Asher Tretel joining us to talk about First Pitch Arizona and the Arizona Fall League. Kevin, this is your third, fourth First Pitch? This will be my fourth. Yeah. Asher, have you? how many have you been to or is this your uh, first one? This, this is my third year. All right, all right. Cool. So lots of experience here to, to spit from. What, Kevin, What are you looking forward to anything in particular that's either different, new, or is it more of the what you look forward to the most is what you're expecting from previous seasons? Yeah, it, it, it's what I'm expecting because of what I've learned from, from what I've been there. It's the people. It's, I met Asher there. Uh, Two years ago, uh, looking forward to seeing him in a couple of days. Several other people along the same lines, and I'll meet more this year. That's what it's all about. We have such a good time. We all have the same interests. We all love baseball. We all love fantasy baseball. We go to games. It's not just the the presentations and such. We go to a lot of the Arizona Fall League games while we're there. World Series games, hopefully. 
as, as you said, will still be going during the conference. And so we're all hanging out, just having a good time, regardless of who's speaking about what. And, and that's the best part about it. And the, the thing that they added last year that obviously will be happening again this year is the Home Run Derby. Asher, what was your, since this will be your third one, you'd obviously been to one without one and now you've been to one with one last year as well. What was your take on that event? Are you looking forward to it this year? Oh, it's the number one thing I'm looking forward to this year. <laughs> it was so much fun last year. I've never been to the like MLB Home Run Derby or anything. And I was a little hesitant. The Fall League's... The players that go to the Fall League, it's a weird zone of prospect. And I wasn't sure, is anybody going to show up? Is anybody going to get home runs? place was packed. They were just launching absolute tanks out there, like grown men throwing themselves down this berm at Mesa trying to catch these balls. It was so much fun. And see, the home runs coming at you at rapid at a rapid pace is terrifying. A truly terrifying experience in the best possible way. Well, yeah, if you've, if, if you've ever been to a stadium during BP in general and you're sitting and you happen to be sitting in center field or whatever, and you have somebody who can just keep cranking them, it's like, all right, cool. I caught a, I caught a BP home run, but you have to look up right away because the next one could be coming right at you. So I'm expecting that I, I'm putting those things together, Asher, as you're saying it, that's, that's what I would be expecting in that environment. Yeah, oh, it's wild. They it's it's so loud and they get on you so quick. It was so much fun. I'm I'm really looking forward to it again. <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about the event itself then, Kevin. You said that obviously you're going to games. You got the Home Run Derby. They moved well, they moved the the Fall Stars game though. The Yeah, originally um, the Derby was Friday, the Fall Stars Saturday, but just like last season due to the possibility of World Series games being the same nights, they they pushed them back. The Home Run Derby could still be during a, a World Series game, but the Fall Stars game will be Sunday evening and the World Series will be over even if it goes 7 games. Yeah, so they they might even possibly move it maybe earlier so that it could finish up before They've the said game. No more changes. Okay. I I missed the Home Run Derby last year because I was I had my seat ready for game 7. Phillies and Astros so I didn't attend the home run derby last year and if the world series goes seven games I may not again this year in spite of Asher's great testimonial there and and, <laughs> and I don't doubt it one bit I, I'm just I'm gonna watch the world series fair enough fair, fair enough. enough I'm bringing a myth this year just for the record <laughs> nice. that's that'll be my the last thing I say about the home run derby I'm bringing a myth this year it's probably safe <laughs> it's probably a safe thing to do let's talk about the actual event you guys you just have the list of presentations list of live podcast list of all the different drafts and everything that's going on in there. Asher, are you looking for a, forward to a particular panel presentation out of the rest? I always like the, just to throw a player's name out, let's get the comments on them sessions that we have on, I think, Saturday morning, Friday morning, Saturday morning. It's, you learn a lot, get a lot of insight into how people are feeling about them. It's also just some of the names that people come up with are always good to hear. It's like improv class. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, anything on the docket caught your eye the most? And you can't pick like Nick Pollock's event or anything like that. You're, you got to go outside of that. I, I, I know. And this is the thing. So the, the live podcasts are an absolute blast because typically they're later at night. Everybody's been having a good time. And then we're recording po podcasts with a uh, studio audience of uh, a whole bunch of guys and gals that ha may have been partaking in a few beverages. And uh, it, it's a really good time. 
at the same time, there are times we have to choose between different events. There's so much going on. There's things that are, are scheduled at different times. And the very first night after our little meet and greet to get the thing kicked off on Thursday evening is the live on the corner podcast being held at the same time of one of my favorite panels of the event, the NFBC players talking about NFBC strategies with Vlad Sedler and Steve Weimer. And I think Justin Mason is on that panel this year. Actually, I can pull it up right now real quick. And as horrible as this sounds, I don't think I'm going to be at the on the corner live podcast because that's, it's it, yeah it's horrible day pots that's who the other oh and bat flip crazy on that panel as well as much nfbc as i play and as much as i plan on expanding my nfbc play speaking of which did you see today's announcement the the champions league for nfbc that's and i am already leaning on getting in on that i feel like i have to attend that panel and it's during the on the corner live podcast and i already fear horrible and it's the very first session of so you already have to make the these difficult decisions of the entire weekend the very first session period i i have to make a decision like this it's yeah what's the thing <laughs> Uh, on the corner, the, the, those are going to be a little backed up. They're going to be a little backed up on the feed. It, it, might, it might take you a while to listen to it. Like I might, I, I publish those episodes. Okay. And so it might oh, take me a couple weeks episode. to get that onto the feed. You might think about if you really want to listen to it, you might have to get, you might have to get in on it. Yeah. So that's, that's, it's interesting to know that you, you have to make those kind of decisions and there's right. so much good information and entertainment on both sides that you almost have to. And, but Kevin, I've got to, I got to assume that though we're not, you guys aren't going to be projecting all the stuff that you learn and all the things that you witness like on Twitter or to everybody. Of course, this is a conference, it's a paid conference and people you're paying what you're getting for. So you're not just giving it away. But while with the people that are within the conference, you guys are talking about everything. And so even right. though that you might not be able to attend this or that, I'm sure in the after aftermath of everything, you're able to exchange notes and uh, of course, and talk and it over with any everybody. PowerPoints and, and things involved. We get copies of those that we can look at later from the events that we weren't able to or chose not to attend. So, yeah, absolutely. That is the case. And then the camaraderie that you just have with everybody, whether it's MBS around the fire pit or all the stories you hear from all the other podcasts and, and, and the tweets and what have you. I'm sure that is something that I will add yeah, to my and, list and of the, things I'll be missing. The, <laughs> Until next year. I, and the hotel, they don't allow outside alcoholic beverages. And everybody 100% follows that rule. Nobody puts drinks in cups so and carries them around course. from the room. Yeah, Nobody has missed their not. flight because they, they're bringing like, beer for you know? our late night events. The hotel bar closes, but they set up a bar in the hallway outside the bar podcast rooms and outside the everything we have going on. Like they keep a bar going till and the late night poker games. You got to know they your audience. Bar open for yeah. us. Yeah, they keep a bar open for us. It's amazing. <laughs> it's like he come back, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we well, got you guys talked about 
Kevin, you, you specifically said like you guys are going to be looking forward to not only the the events of the conference itself, but you're going to be checking out as many games as you possibly can. I think you guys get a couple tickets to games included, but it's not as though these are World Series tickets and difficult to get to pretty much any stadium you want throughout the end of the Fall League. So what I want to pick your guys' brain about any of the players that you'll be looking forward to seeing. Hopefully you can catch as many of, I know there's not, you guys aren't only there for a couple of days. You're not going to be able to see all these players, but Asher, is there anybody or any um, number of players that you are going to go out of your way to make sure that you can see, or is it just, you'll be happy with whoever's on the field? I got a handful of guys. I'm I got a bone to pick with the Yankees FO and their choices for for who they sent down this year. But yeah, the I think my number one guy is Kevin Alcantara. I've heard nothing but glowing reports about him that beyond just the skill that is like electric to watch play. He's down there. I'm I I guess he used to be in the Yankees system, so I have my ties there. He's probably the one I'm most looking forward to seeing. There are Harry Fords down there. I want to see Harry Ford play mm-hmm. in person. He was great to watch during the WBC. And then I think probably the the number one guy that everybody there is going to want to go see if they can is Ricky Tiedemann. I don't know how the schedule is going to line up. I don't know if he's going to pitch in the fall star game, but I, if there is a game that he starts, I would imagine there's going to be first pitch is going to be well represented in those stands. Yeah. I would venture to guess Tiedemann is, 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 Gonna be a target if for no other reason he's fun to watch and based on everything that I've seen in Reddit as well. But he'll be one of the I would say few players that are in the this Arizona Fall League that fantasy players will be really watching for to see what kind of impact they can make in 2024. I'm not getting the same Matt Mervis vibes from yesteryear that we all experienced. And maybe that'll change. A lot of that those vibes came from first pitch Arizona oh, in yeah. those final games that everybody got to see them at. But Kevin, is there anybody else that you'll be targeting maybe specifically for all right, maybe this guy could make an impact in 2024. Yeah, there, there's a couple of guys that I think I have been performing that are a little less well-known. One of them as a Kansas City Royals fan, I, I'm really interested in seeing Peyton Wilson. It's intriguing to me that it used to be that the Arizona Fall League was thought of as a, a finishing school, right? These guys are ready to go. Right? They're going to be called up next season early, if not break the this um, break camp with the team. And in, in recent years, there's been, oh, guys miss time for injury. We need to get them some innings or some at-bats and other reasons players get sent. Peyton Wilson had 562 plate appearances at AA this season, and he's there. I, I, I think this is like they want to see him against some of the better competition that may be there. He's been performing pretty well so far. So I'd like to see him a New York Yankee. One of their players that's there that was actually drafted by the Atlanta Braves, Caleb Durbin. He was drafted as a shortstop. He's been playing second base for the last year or two of his minor league career. I'm intrigued by him. He no power to speak of so far, but, 36 stolen bases in 69 games this season, 2023, at the minor league level. 253 at-bats, 36 stolen bases. That That is something I want to see. And he hit four home runs. I think he had, does have a couple so far in the Arizona Fall League. He's 5'6", 
but 185 pounds. So I, I feel like there may be some some room to develop a little bit of power there. And I'm really intrigued to see him. I don't know if Asher as a Yankee fan has been following him much at all. I can't say I'm super familiar just going off the name, but I do know that I have been laying in bed at night, wishing that the Yankees would take a swing on guys who could hit over power and be like, maybe we can teach them to power more rather than just power their way through. So I like the sounds of that report. I'll say Kyle Manzardo's down there. I know that nobody cares now that he's not a raised prospect anymore. That's a dude, capital D dude, when it comes to prospect watching. I think that Manzardo has the ability to be the opposite of Yandy Diaz, who obviously, like just that dude that you thought should be doing everything with Cleveland and when Tampa Bay grab him, oh, now Tampa Bay's going to fix him. He's going to be awesome. And Manzardo has like flipped the script on that, obviously, going to the opposite team in that trade last season i'm just interested to see what kind of what pitchers come out of the arizona fall league not out of nowhere per se and do something for their 2024 major league squads last year Gwen priester was in the fall league sheehan was in the fall league as well mason miller was in the fall league so these guys that you always there's always this narrative that the hitting in the all in Arizona Fall League is you send your best hitters and you don't send your best pitchers. Is you just send your guys to get beat up or get some extra innings here or there. At least, at least from last year's rosters, as I'm looking down the list of pitchers who put up the most strikeouts from last year, those three guys stood out and obviously they made an impact some of them more so than others for their major league squads in 2023. Curious to see who comes out of the woodwork in 2024 after this all-star league jackson job was there i'm i'm not sure if he's still going to be there i believe i heard that he he might be done there that they just wanted him to get two or three starts but he performed really well if he is still there that is somebody definitely worth keeping an eye on who may make an impact in 2024 at the major league level and asher back to caleb durbin anytime a guy is striking out at an eight percent rate and walking at 17 percent i i'm interested i want to go see is there anything they can do with that and his minor league season numbers weren't a whole lot worse than that and it's over 72 plate appearances so far in, in the arizona fall league so i'm really interested in checking him out yeah, I'm into it. I always, I was like when Yankees prospect names like bubble up during first pitch. We, we got it with, uh, th- there was a lot of Austin Wells talk last year that was surprising. There's a lot of, oh, maybe he can stick behind the plate. And I was like, yes, excellent. <laughs> There's still a chance. <laughs> All right, guys. Any last parting words when it comes to Arizona Fall League, when it comes to first pitch Arizona? Kevin, you and I do our unpaid ads for this thing multiple times throughout the year just because I am aware of how awesome it is and obviously how awesome it is. Yeah, anything else that we about the event that we haven't talked about, that we haven't touched on that's worth putting a spotlight on? No, just like I always say, I know it's late for this year, but if if you've if you're on the fence, haven't been able to pull it off, thinking about trying, try to start planning for next season now. It's definitely worth it. I thought about it for years before I, I made the jump, and it's blew away my expectations, and the expectations were high. So it's definitely worth it if you can pull it off. Asher, any other final thoughts on the event? What are you you're com- You're going in on Wednesday as well? I'm flying in Thursday. I didn't look at the baseball schedule well enough when I was planning my flights. But yeah, I 
people ask me about it a lot because they know that I I'm not like a big dynasty guy. Everybody knows I don't have like bajillion keeper teams, but I it's great. I have so much fun. I, it's super helpful to just talk about process as in depth as we do. That's the biggest help for me is I come out with like pages of notes about this is how I have to approach this position or this I this concept going into the drafts. And yeah, I'm always, I always come back. I've lost my voice talking about baseball for <laughs> 96 straight hours. It's great. And two, I'll throw out two more names of players who they're in the Arizona Fall League, and I'm sure you'll see them on your draft board next year. Max Muncy and Wilmer Flores. Are they the same Max Muncy and Wilmer Flores? No. Does that matter for these purposes? Also, no. But they are ones that have been drafted in previous years in redraft leagues. Oh, yes. I, I just love that this Max Muncy is also on the A's. It is too perfect. It'll be, if they're not drafted, they will be on the, fir- like the first wave of fab when they're still available to be picked up and you're like how did nobody draft max month oh my god that, I can't that to... before the season yeah <laughs> the perfect auto new traps yeah <laughs> man all right with that note with that a, a wonderful piece of advice asher that's going to do it for episode 136 of on the wire asher thank you so much for joining us man give everybody a reminder of where they can find you what kind of work you're working on anything else that's in the pipeline that maybe won't be coming out this weekend because you'll be a little busy, but what you got working on? Yeah, I'm, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Great to be here. I've become a Twitter cast off. So I'm on blue sky at Asher D dot blue sky dot social. I don't know how those handles work. There's a lot of dots. Yeah. You can also go to at low racks, low underscore racks, R-A-X on Twitter. My handle is my blue sky handle. You can find me that way. I don't know. I, I don't know what the internet is anymore. As far as articles go, I'm it's going to be a minute before I'm writing more stuff, working on getting the GIF database together right now. But uh, yeah, you can find me on the We Love Baseball subheader. I usually cover, who knows what day it'll be next season. But yeah, yeah I'll, right. I'll, you can find me weekly writing about bullpen choreographed dances. I feel like that somehow crosses my radar a lot. Yeah, there are not many more important things to talk about when it comes to baseball in general than, than, than things like that. So I appreciate you for taking that on. That is going to do it, though, for episode 136 of On The Wire. You can follow myself on the Twitter at 80 grade. That's all spelled out. Kevin is at Hasty Kevin. Of course, follow the pod at On The Wire pod, although still on the Twitter machine at this moment. Thank our guest, Asher Threetel, for joining us this week. And after all that, I am Adam Howe. On behalf of Kevin Hasty, thanks for listening. We bid you goodbye. Goodbye.